This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Hi, this is Alana Oelifier, and you've just tuned into Radio K Pulpit. And you are with my program called Body Matters. For the last four weeks, I had a special guest called Rashawn Naftali, who shared 12 keys on how to overcome in a disorderly world. And I hope that you guys really enjoyed that four-part series because I think it was such great basics, going back to basics and the basic information of you know how to spend intimate time with the Lord and I just thought it was such an amazing series but today I am on my own and today I really um, want to share just a few things that I felt on my heart just coming back to the basics of the gospel of the good news. Now I don't know how you might be saved for many years and um, what I might be sharing with you that um, today might be you know, the basic stuff, the normal stuff. But there's a lot of people that I feel that are out there that even are new Christians. And there's questions, um, you know, that you have about the gospel of the good news. So today I'm going to share um, some questions that people might have and answers on the gospel of the good news the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God, and then also to touch on the Holy Spirit, because without the Holy Spirit, um, you know, we we have no power, we have no authority in Christ. So that is my, um, my program for today. So I first want to touch on what is the gospel of the good news? So for those of you who are still new Christians, that this might be interesting. And for those of you who are not, maybe this is just a recap of going back to basics. So the first question on the gospel of the good news is why were we created? And what was God's original plan for us? So this you can actually read in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. So just going back, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And he created man in his image. You know, so he had given man, um, us, dominion and reign over all the animals on the earth. And then God said in Genesis 1.26, he said, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our own image to be like ourselves. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So what does this mean? It means that God created us. We were created for him and for his purpose. He created us in his image, and he also had given us authority over all the animals on this earth. And God created us mainly to fellowship with him. Um, God lived with his creation right at the beginning in the garden of Adam and Eve. God lived with his creation and therefore man never needed the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because God himself was with them. God was with Adam and Eve. So there wasn't the Holy Spirit that was present at that time. It was heaven on earth during that time when God was here. You know, there was all the fruits that God had given 
Adam and Eve to eat, God dwelled with them. He fellowshiped with them. He walked with them. He talked with them. And God was with them constantly. And the earth at that stage was God's kingdom because that is where God had given authority to man. Um, You know, he delegated legal authority to man to reign within the kingdom of God, within his kingdom. And man had authority and dominion over the earth. You see, God entrusted man with his creation and have given them freedom, freedom to rule and reign over the earth. And he also said that men were to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and reign over everything. So that was God's original plan. If Adam and Eve, we're going to get to that now, if Adam and Eve um, didn't, um, if the fall never came, that is what we would have been living. We would have been living on earth with God under his reign, under his authority, and heaven would be on earth. But what went wrong? So that's my next question. What went wrong? You see, the fall of mankind came when man chose to believe a lie that was contrary to what God had asked them to do. So this is when Adam and Eve, it's in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve dwelled with God on the earth and where the serpent came to to, um, deceive them. And man failed God through disobedience because they chose to believe Satan, the ultimate deceiver, over the word of God. So that is clearly what happened in the Garden of Eden. So what was the results? If we look at the results of them being disobedient, how does that affect us today? Okay, so first of all, their reign and authority over the earth and the results were that they had given their authority over to Satan. Okay, so who you choose to obey becomes the word, the person that you um, are under, if I can put it in that way. So the reign was given over and the authority was given over to Satan. They were separated from God's presence. And there was physical and there was spiritual death. And they also lost their innocence. If you read in in Genesis um, 3, you'll also see that after they had um, were deceived by, by Satan and God was looking for them, they hid from him and they covered themselves. So what happened because of of what they've done because of their obedience, they lost their innocence and they tried to cover their sin. And there was also consequences where where they said that there would be hardship and that the ground would be cursed and that man would toil for his labor and that women would have child would have pain because of childbearing. So you see, there were consequences to Adam and Eve disobeying God. So the kingdom of darkness, which is the rule and reign of Satan, now was the rule and reign of this kingdom over this earth. You see, God had given mankind authority over the earth and free will, and he could not intervene in the consequences of their decision, even though it was not his intention. So let's read Psalm 115 verse 16. It says, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he had given to mankind. You see, God had given Adam and Eve authority, 
and he entrusted them to look after the earth. But because of their disobedience, they had given their authority over to Satan's reign. And therefore, there's a scripture that also says that Satan is the ruler of this earth. But God had a plan to redeem the world. So what was God's plan to redeem the world? You see, God's plan is and was to redeem us from the kingdom of darkness and to restore the authority that was given to mankind in the Garden of Eden because of his love for us. So if we read John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God is spirit. And the only way he could restore the creation to himself was to send his son, Jesus Christ, in human form. Now, the reason why he sent Jesus in human form was because he gave humans authority over the earth. And and through Jesus in human form, he could reclaim and restore that authority back to man. So I hope that makes sense. You see, God, I mean, God is spirit. I mean, he could do anything he wants to on earth. But he honored that which he had given. He honored the authority that he had given to mankind. And his plan was to redeem us to himself, to restore that relationship. He could only do it through man. And that is why Jesus had to come in the form of a man to reclaim, to restore the authority that was lost. So what was Jesus' assignment on earth? Okay, so if I read from Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 3, this is what was proclaimed by the prophets that the Messiah would be like. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has sent me to bind up the program brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and the release from darkness to those who are prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of the vengeance of God, to comfort all that mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion and bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So when the prophet Isaiah was prophesying this before the coming of Jesus, this is what they proclaimed that Jesus would be like, that he would bind up the brokenhearted, that he would set the captives free, that he would release the prisoners from darkness. He would comfort those who mourn. He would give the oil of joy instead of mourning. And so those were the things that were proclaimed already of the coming of the Messiah. But what he also, but Jesus also came to do the following. He came to preach the gospel of the good news. He came to earth to represent his father in heaven. You know, when Jesus was um, proclaiming the gospel, he was talking about heaven. He was he was leading us to what God was like. He was showing people because they said, who is God? He says, if, if you see me, you will know God. And he came to demonstrate what the kingdom of heaven was like and to reestablish the kingdom of heaven on earth. Okay, so one of 
one of God's plans for Jesus was to reestablish the kingdom on heaven on earth. Now, if we look at Luke 4, 34, it says, I must preach, this is Jesus speaking, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So Jesus' purpose when he came was to preach the kingdom of God. And he came to pay the price for our sins so that we may have everlasting life and be reconciled to God. You see, one of the consequences of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden was physical death and spiritual death. But Jesus came to take away that sin so that we may have everlasting life, therefore redeeming us from the punishment of judgment and the power of death. He died so that we could manifest the presence of God. You see, if Jesus, there's a scripture where Jesus said, for, for, for I will leave, but I will send you the Holy Spirit. And um. If it wasn't for Jesus who died on the cross, the Holy Spirit would not be be with us, and we it wouldn't the, the presence of God wouldn't be able to manifest within us. And the main purpose was to deliver us from the kingdom of darkness and transfer us into the kingdom of heaven. So when did Jesus's ministry start? So if we read Matthew three fifteen to sixteen. At the age of 33, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. So Jesus was born. He was raised by his mother, Mary. At the age of 33, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, who was his cousin. And he was baptized in water. And when John the Baptist water him, baptized him in water, only then the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. And that is when God said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So only after being baptized in water and the Holy Spirit, Jesus's ministry began. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he did many signs and wonders, healing people, preaching the kingdom of God and demonstrating what Father God was like. And I believe that Satan was afraid of the authority that Jesus had, and he orchestrated the crucifixion of Jesus, which was at the end all part of God's plan for our redemption. So why was Jesus, one of the questions is, why was Jesus called the Lamb of God? Okay, so Jesus knew um, that he had to die so that he would be the ultimate lamb for the forgiveness of our sins. Okay, so many of you might ask, why the lamb? Why was it called the lamb? So in John 1, 29, it says, and I just want to carry on with this. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, look, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Okay, so the question again, why was Jesus the ultimate lamb? You see, before Jesus died on the cross, those who were awaiting the Lord, this is before the coming of Jesus, people would have to sacrifice a lamb once a year at the temple for the forgiveness of their sins. So this was a ritual. You know, every year they would go up to the temple, they would sacrifice a lamb, and that would be for their sins for the year. So once a year they would do that. But now Jesus comes 
and he becomes the ultimate lamb. He would sacrifice himself once, only once for all, so that no more sacrifices would be needed. So does that make sense? He became the lamb. No longer did people have to follow the law of sacrificing a lamb, but Jesus became the ultimate lamb. So in Hebrews 10, 8 to 10 says, Sacrifices and offerings, bind offerings of sins you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. You see, it was accordance to the law. Then Jesus says, Here I am to come to you to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ once for all. I just want to read a quote by Billy Graham. Maybe this will even make more sense. It says, but Jesus Christ came for one reason, to become the final and complete sacrifice for our sins. When he died on the cross, all our sins were transferred to him and he died in our place no further sacrifice is needed because Christ gave his life for us you see Christ died for us he became the sacrifice for us that's why he had to go to the cross he had to die he was the ultimate lamb the cross that would take upon all the sin of the world. You see, everyone's sin has been paid for. But it's done and it's it's finished. When he when he died, he actually said, It is finished. Meaning I have taken the sins of the world upon myself. You see, what God did is a gift to mankind, but not everybody, not everyone has chosen that. You see, he died for everyone. Jesus was God's gift to humanity, made available to everyone who chooses him. And you know, this gift is still available to anyone alive, anyone who chooses God right now, who confesses with their mouth, who chooses him and makes him Lord and Savior. It's been paid for. Everything has been paid for. We don't have to go into works anymore we don't have to do anything god has already done it for us so let's read romans 5 8 to 9 which says but god demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were sinners christ died for us so while we were sinning god god already paid the price even now for those who haven't chosen um, Jesus Christ, God already paid the price. The gift for you is to, it's there, it's available, and you can choose whether you want to take it. So what does the blood of Jesus offer humanity? Okay, so let's see. This means that if we accept Jesus into our lives, we receive the gift of salvation. So because of the blood of Jesus, we are justified. So let's read Romans 5 verse 9. It says, Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Because of his blood, we are forgiven. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Thirdly, because of the blood we have everlasting and abundant life. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he overcame death. Three days after his crucifixion, he rose from the dead. Jesus is still alive today, seated on the right-hand side of God. And the Spirit of God is alive. And when we choose Jesus Christ in our lives, the Spirit, His Spirit that lives within us cannot die. Therefore, when we die, we don't die, really die. We, our Spirit goes to Jesus. We actually have everlasting life. And if we look in John 10, 10, it says the thief only comes to kill, steal and destroy. But God says, I came so that you may have life and life in abundance. This life is not only for eternity one day when we die, but we can have abundant life on earth. And it's only because of what Jesus did on the cross that the Holy Spirit is available to us. Because he said in John 14, 16, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And you know, it's through the blood of Jesus that we are in right standing with him. So yeah, so what do we need to do for salvation? We can come back to that a little bit later. But you know, it's only through Jesus he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's only through him, believing in him, that we can have eternal life. Let's take a short break, and then we'll come back shortly. Hi, if you've just tuned in, it's Alana Wellyfeer, and you've just tuned into my program called Body Matters. Um, I have just been chatting about the basics, the questions of what is the gospel of the good news. So I'm just going to continue with that. And um, we spoke about um, what is it? What does it mean that Jesus is the lamb of God? Why did Jesus have to come in a form of a man? And what was the purpose of the cross? So I want to have a look at what is the outcome of salvation? So salvation is when you give your life to Jesus. So what is the outcome of it? Why do we need to be saved? Okay, so firstly, if you have been saved, you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Secondly, when you get saved, you are a new person in Christ Jesus. It says anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The past is forgotten and everything is new. And that is in 2 Corinthians 5.17. And this means that all your sins are forgiven and you start on a clean slate. You know, secondly, God's spirit takes residence inside of you. You know, when we give our lives to the Lord, he gives us his spirit. The same spirit that lives in Jesus, that lives, that, that lives in God is in us. And in Galatians 2.20, it says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in, the earthly, I live in an earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that, as I said, is in Galatians 2.20. So God's Spirit takes residence in us. 
And when we commit our lives to the Lord, we are in covenant with Christ. You see, just as we become one with our marriage partners, and we say for better or for worse, till death, um, till death do us part, so when we give our lives to the Lord, we also become one with Him because His Spirit dwells within us. And we are often referred to the to the bride of Christ. Now, many of you might be asking that question. You know, we are referred to the, the bride of Christ, but why? So this question is to answer, um, to answer you on that. We become one with Christ. So we have a covenant with him. Secondly, we are able to fulfill our God-given purpose. You know, when the spirit of God resides in us, um, we will know, it says it's in Christ, only in Christ that we find find out who we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ, he had his eye on us and he designed on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose. He's working out everything and everyone, in everyone. So it is only through him that we can identify that we have purpose, that we, you know, God created us for purpose and only in, in him we can find out what our true purpose is. And then lastly, we can be called the children of the living God. We were not created to be orphan spirits. Like in John 1, 12, it says, But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be the children of God. You see, we have a Father in heaven, and when we give our lives to him, we are adopted into his family. And Ephesians 1, 5, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. You see, God reconciles us through Jesus back to him. So that is what happens when we commit our lives to Jesus. So I want to touch on my second section is, what is the kingdom of God? You know, the first time I've heard of the kingdom of God was when John the Baptist said, repent and be baptized for the kingdom of God is at hand. And when we think of the kingdom of God is when Jesus um, received the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God was contained in the spirit of God. But let's go back to what is a kingdom. Then maybe that would give you a little bit more perspective of what, what is the kingdom of heaven. So a kingdom is considered as a land or an area ruled by a king. And that kingdom has a constitution to which the citizens abide to. So every kingdom usually has their own culture and the way of doing things. So when we committed our lives to him, we were transferred from the kingdom of darkness. Now, the kingdom of darkness is what rules and reigns the earth because we lost the authority through Adam and Eve. But when we commit our lives to Jesus, we get transferred into the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven was established on earth, as I said, at the beginning of creation. And the earth was the physical dominion of God's reign. He created man, had given man authority to take care of the earth, to subdue it. But due to the fall, 
the kingdom of darkness prevailed over the earth. So part of God's plan was to reestablish his kingdom on earth again. So Jesus was part of that redemption plan. Okay, so that whoever believes in Jesus would receive the Holy Spirit. And the plan was first to establish the kingdom of God inside of each believer and the Spirit so that his rule and reign and kingdom culture could manifest in every every Christian. You see, when we accept Jesus in our lives, we become representatives of what God's kingdom stands for. The more people believe in Jesus and operate according to his kingdom principles, the kingdom of heaven will be culturally established on earth. Just to give you um, just a simple example. Say, for instance, you live in, in France, and now you are taken to live, now you go and live in, um, in Rome, in, you know, in Italy. And the more people from France gets taken and put in Italy, the more the French culture would take preference in, in Italy. And that would be established there. So it's the same with God's kingdom. The more we are, the more we believe, the more believers there are, and the more God's spirit is in each one of us. And as we become also the body of Christ, we establish a culture, God's culture on this earth. And um, you see God's heavenly principles. So heavenly principles will overrule the reign of the kingdom of darkness. And in doing this, we eventually reclaim God's earth for his kingdom. That is to restore the kingdom of God on earth. You see, one day Jesus says in Revelations nineteen sixteen that he will become the ruler of this earth. You know, you will, you will rule and reign from Mount Zion. And before Jesus is coming, he said that, you know, he will give the, that his word will go to the ends of the earth and that um, his word will go out there. So when we become Christians, and the more Christians there are, the more God's kingdom can be established on this earth. So by that time when Jesus comes, he reigns over the earth. So how is the kingdom of God then described? Okay, so for the kingdom of God, it says in Romans fourteen seventeen, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit. Okay, so where is the kingdom of God found? It says that it's found within the Spirit of God. And where is the Spirit of God when we accept Jesus? The Spirit of God is inside of us. And if we look at Luke 17, 21, it says, The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is manifested within the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God dwells within us. And Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. You see, the kingdom of God refers to God's rule, his reign, and his authority over and in our lives. The minute we accept him and the Spirit comes to dwell within us. The kingdom of God is within us too. 
You see, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You see, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God only dwelled within temples. And the Lord gave his Spirit only to the prophets so that they could be the mouthpiece of God. But the last part of the scripture says, you are not your own, meaning that we have now become the vehicles in which God's spirit can work in and through us on this earth to to accomplish his will. You see, in Joel, it says in the last day, God will pour out his spirit on all man, all sons, all daughters. All of us will be able to, to prophesy, to hear his voice. And um, we surrender to his will, and therefore we now live under the reign of God led by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is within us. The kingdom of God is within us. Okay, so there are some scriptures regarding what is the kingdom. So I just want to read these few scriptures to you. It says, just before Jesus was baptized, John the Baptist was preaching, which I mentioned earlier on. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that is in Matthew 3, 2. You see, John the Baptist was prophesying that people must repent, turn from their sinful ways. And repentance means to denounce the kingdom of darkness so that they can, could embrace the coming of the kingdom of God. You know, when Jesus was preaching about the kingdom, he said in John eighteen thirty six, My kingdom is not from this world. You see, even though Jesus lived in the natural world, he was operating from a spiritual dominion. Therefore, the kingdom of God is manifested from the inside out. And we must remember that we live in two realms, a natural and a spiritual realm, because the word says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities of evil. So we live in a natural and a supernatural world. In Matthew thirteen forty four to 45, it stipulates the value of having the kingdom of God. And it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold everything he had and brought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of, the gr of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Therefore, the Bible says that we should seek God's kingdom because through the kingdom of God, we have access to the Father. So when we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us, we are connected to Father God. We are connected to God because of his spirit inside of us. And it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. By having the kingdom inside of us, we have everything, everything to overcome this world. You know, there's that scripture that says in, in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who lives within you than he who is in the world. You see, God had established his kingdom within us to restore the rule and reign and authority of God on this earth. You know that God's spirit in us is the same spirit that raised the dead. It says his spirit within us is greater than that of the world. 
And in Matthew 60, 19, it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This means that we have the keys to access what is in heaven and the authority to bind things pertaining to the kingdom of darkness regarding any demonic activity on earth and to loosen things pertaining to the kingdom of heaven, such as blessings, joy, and peace. And um, we can bring that to earth. And last in Luke twelve thirty two, it says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. We must remember that the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. And in John 3, 6, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised by saying, you must be born again. You see, it's only because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross that we have access to the kingdom of God. And I just want to leave you with that. I hope it made sense to you. I know it might sound like a mouthful, but I want to give you the, the, the full perspective of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus came so that he could be the ultimate lamb. Jesus came to take away our sins. That's why he was the lamb, to take away the sins of, of mankind. Then he came to give us his spirit, God's spirit in us. And in God's spirit, because of the spirit, we have power, we have authority to reclaim that which Satan has stolen. And because of his spirit inside of us, we have the kingdom of God inside of us. We are connected to God because of the spirit. And because of that, we are powerful and we have life, life in abundance. And because of the Spirit of God inside of us, and that Spirit cannot die, it will live forever. Even though our bodies will die, the Spirit inside of us cannot die. And that is why we've got everlasting life in Jesus Christ. So let me leave you with this. I'm going to take a short break and we're nearly at the end of the program Thank you. Hi, this is Alana Whittyfee, and if you've just tuned into Radio K Pulpit, you're with my program called Body Matters, and I have just been doing some questions and some answers on the gospel of the good news and um, also on the kingdom of God. But unfortunately, this is the end of my program, so I just want to end off. Um, I just want to say to those of you out there, I hope that what I've spoken about brought a bit of clarity, um, you know, um, and some of you might know this all, this might be old things, but for some of you, you know, you might say this is new and I understand the gospel a little bit better. Even if there was just one thing that you could have taken from this program, then I am so happy. But for those of you who've listened to this program and you think, you know what, I have backslidden or, you know, I just feel so far from God or, you know, I haven't given my life to the Lord and I just happen to tune in at the moment. I want to tell you that it is never, never too late to turn back to God. You know, while you have breath in you, 
you can make a choice for Jesus Christ. You know, while we are alive, there is a period of grace. You know, even up until the last minute, God has got grace. He's He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to come back to Him. And you know, you might be sitting there and saying, Alana, you know what? You don't know how bad I am. You know, you don't know about my addiction. You don't know how I am struggling. You don't know what abuse I've been through. You don't know what I've done. And I just want to tell you, Jesus knows everything you have done. Nothing is a surprise to him. And you know, God wants to wash you clean. He wants to blow his life in you because he created you. You are not a mistake. God created you to fellowship with you, to love you. You know, he has his eye on you. It says from the beginning of this earth, God has his eye on you. He's written your name on the palm of his hands. He knows every hair on your head. He knows everything. He's knitted you in your mother's womb. Nothing you have done, nothing that you are going to do is a surprise to God. Nothing will shock God. God is not expecting you to clean yourself up. God is not expecting you to um, you know, do something before you will be acceptable to him. God says to you today, come just as you are. I will wash you clean. I will help you. I will deliver you. I will walk the road with you. You see, when it, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, then we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Then we are able to overcome any obstacle with Christ. You know, the Bible says we all fall short of God's glory. None of us are perfect. None of us. Nothing that we can do in our flesh can make God love us more or less. You see, God's love for me and you is unconditional it's not based on works. It's not based on what you've done, what you haven't done. You know, it is who you believe in. Who are you going to put your trust in? Are you going to make him Lord and Savior over your life so that he can do the work in you? It's There's a scripture, I can't think of the, the scripture now, but... What it says is, without God, we cannot do anything. Without Him, we cannot do anything. You see, in your own strength, you can't overcome that addiction. In your own strength, you can't become better or whatever you're trying to be. It's only in Him. So my invitation for you today is come just as you are. And I want to pray for you now. And if you want to give your life to the Lord today, just say these words after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I am a sinner and I repent of my sins. 
But today, Lord, I choose to make you Lord and Savior over my life. Wash me clean with your blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you are the ultimate lamb. Thank you, Jesus, that I belong to you in Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, then believe that you are a child of God. Tell someone about it. Join a church, a a word-based church. Get into the Word of God. Because today you are a new person in Christ Jesus. Today is the beginning of God's work in you. Remember, you cannot do it on your own. The work that God has started in you, He will bring to completion in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you so much for joining me today. And unfortunately, this is the end of my program. And we'll meet again next Saturday at the same time. From me, Alana Willifree, have a wonderful, beautiful, blessed week. Bye-bye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.